Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Day in the Life. Today, we're joined by Thomas Chu, who is a co-founder, educator, and former director of product management. I met Thomas at an IBM conference, actually. Um, he, he and I both worked at IBM, and he saw oversaw the product management for the product I worked on. But now, but he's in a completely different office and country than me, so we just hadn't seen each other until we'd gone to that conference. And but now he's since gone on to start his own education company, and I'm really looking forward to catching up with him and learning about how that's going. Welcome, Thomas. Rachel, I miss you. <laughs> how have you been? Good, good. Oh, yeah. It's Can't been too complain. long. It's been too long. Yeah, it's been too long. Yeah. 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 I wanted to get started on here just talking about your your past life at IBM. You were you were at IBM for quite some time. And what was your journey to get to IBM? And then just talk about your experience at IBM. Yeah, so I can definitely talk about this a little bit. Um, um, I don't know whether an hour is enough because I've been there 20 years. Uh, it was actually, I left three months ago, right after my 20th anniversary. Um, it was a big decision, but we can talk about it later. Um, so, you know, it's pretty, you know, it was a journey. Um, I think there was a time that um, um, I studied in Canada, but after that, I moved back to Asia and my, um, my parents still in Hong Kong at that time. And um, I worked there for several years until I got married and I have kids and decided to come back to Canada. Um, I wouldn't call myself a new immigrant, but I didn't really have a lot of Canadian experience at that time. And, uh, you, and I was in a different industry. I was in the car industry at that time. So I wasn't able to really find a job very easily. Um, but I'm very thankful that um, IBM has um, have faith in me. And um, despite, well, it was a dot-com boom, so they kind of hire everybody, okay? But in any way, um, they hired me into that. And um, it was interesting that um, I learned about it later on in my career in IBM that I talked to my hiring manager and also my second-line hiring manager who was a director at that time in the product. Um, they told me that they actually have a pretty big debate about whether they hired me or not. Uh, there were a group of people against hiring me because I did not have the, have the industry knowledge and things like that. So I'm thankful that I got hired at that time. And um, I think that, you know, I think one of the most thankful things that I want to tell everybody about working in IBM is that um, despite being a new immigrant, despite being a, um, you know, you know, a person coming from a different country, um, I didn't re really speak a lot of English at that time, okay? But I was never experienced any kind of, you know, discrimination, racism, or anything like that. Uh, I was given the opportunity. I was appreciated and respected um, even when I was the most junior, uh, junior person. I was in the software development team of the database product. Um, people worked like a family and um, it was really, really good that, you know, they treated me you know, just like everybody, and now given my fair share of experience and uh, opportunity, and then I am um, obviously I work hard, okay. And there was a lot of growth at that time for the business, so um, I kind of ride the train along with everybody. So um, yeah, so um, and then you know I got several opportunity, and uh, when we talk about mentorship later on today, um, I'm really thankful that I met several people in these twenty years in IBM that I am um, that I'm still talking to right now. They give me live advice. They give me some really, really important um, advice that helped me make some really important decisions throughout the journey. So um, it was really good. And, and obviously, you know, being a technical person, I was coming from an engineering background. Um, the VP about five years ago actually asked me and invited me to become a product manager of the product that I've been developing and working for the last 15 years. So um, it was a great opportunity. I learned a lot. 
on that too. So uh, that was how I became a product manager. I wasn't really from that background um, strictly, but um, yeah, I'm thankful that like I was given given a lot of opportunity. And I think for anyone who want to come into this industry and joining, I think IBM will be one of the uh, best company to work for. Okay, um, competitive, busy, you know, tiring. And Rachel, you know that I know that it's all like that because our industry is like that. But in terms of uh, being treated fairly, uh, being given great opportunity um, so that your work will be recognized. I think this is a fantastic opportunity and I'm very thankful of what I had in the last 20 years. Yeah, there's a lot there. Like, it's super interesting that you were able to talk to your previous hiring managers. And, and it's so great that um, you had people who 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 um, were willing to go to bat for you and, and bring you on. It's like, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think I've ever talked to a hiring manager before about like why they decided to hire me, but that's- Yeah, it was, a, it was a very interesting thing. And, you know, um, like, and I don't even mind sharing what happened in the job interview at that time. So- I didn't really have a job or, or a really like a professional big company job at that time. Um, I have a friend who, who owns a car dealership at that time. So I actually became a car salesman for a very short period of time. You know, I was bored. It's not that I really like broke anything like that, but you know, I was bored to death at home. Okay. And, uh, and then I was nearly never a salesperson. So I kind of take on this. Let me try. Um, learned a bunch. Okay. About how to deal with stranger, strangers, people, how to make sales it become one of the best experience uh, in my life before I joined IBM. And then, you know, when I go into a job interview, um, the hiring manager start asking me technical questions about a product, about a database product that I'm going to have. And, you know, I learned a little bit, I have some technical background, but obviously I'm not deep into some of the definition and some of the algorithm of that. To a point that actually halfway of the, of the interview, I say, hey, you know, Let's not talk about that, okay? I'm not going to answer a great question. I can tell you what I've done as a project manager in my previous job. I can tell you how I, um, how I work with people and things like that. And then he learned that I worked for a car company at that time. And it happens that he also drove the same brand of the car, okay? So he, we start talking about this. We start talking about projects. We start talking about people. We start talking about a lot of other things. And then I got an opportunity to talk with my second line manager or the future second line manager then, um, you know, Turns out okay. And then uh, eventually, and you know what? I was, I thought I bombed the whole thing right after that. But two days later, they hired me. And then, uh, yeah, so, you know, it was a very, very interesting experience. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to add a plus one to what you said about IBM being a very fair company. Like, I, I feel like, I mean, I'm not trying to be like an IBM advertisement right now, but I do, I do, I have read articles about how you know, a, a lot of like discrimination articles at other companies. And, and there's like, they're like these really great companies that you're like, oh, I would love to work there. Or like you, you think you would. And then you hear about their culture and you're like, huh, the grass isn't always greener. And like, I have a pretty good situation. So uh, yeah, I, that's something that I've really appreciated about IBM is like, I'm always valued. And I always felt like you, Thomas, especially you always just like, made me feel like, I, I don't know, because you, 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 you could have been like, oh, I'm a director or executive or something. And some people are a little kind of in their heads about being an, a director or an executive, but I always felt like you're very approachable and easy to talk to. So thank glad you. Glad thank to, you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you, you kind of touched on this already a, a bit, but um, you, 
I guess, just what from since you were a director and you hired people and that kind of thing, just for general about product management, like what educational background or experiences does someone need to get into that? And what do you look for? Well, I would say this, right? Um, so as I said, I came from an engineering background. I'm a pretty technical background person. Um, it was actually a stretch that I um, that I was asked to become a product manager. Okay. Um, now, obviously, I understand my product because that's a product that I've been part of making in the first 15 years of my of my journey in IBM. But um, um, I was never MBA. I never study, didn't study finance or anything like that. Okay. But um, but after after these five years, I would say this. Okay. I would say. As an executive, as a director of a product management, um, there's a few things that you, or I would advise anyone when they wanted to come in on that, okay? Um, first of all, um, I found that everybody come from a somewhat different background to become a product manager in any given capacity. And not all of them, or and actually only a few of them come from a so-called, a classic academic background of being a product manager. Okay, a lot of them come from technical background. A lot of them come from a marketing background. A lot of them come from a finance background. You know, people come from different side of the things to become a product manager because product manager is kind of the leader and the mission control of the whole thing. Um, I think the mindset is really more about entrepreneur and the mindset is really more about being a business owner. Okay, um, it's, it's very important no matter what kind of product that you are, managing or selling um, is really going back to some really fundamental points that you have to think about okay and do not be um, do not be like overwhelmed by the system how many parts you have and how many product you're selling let's boil down to let's say you're opening one person or two people mom and pop shop okay what are you selling okay how do i buy what's the price what's the surface like Answer these fundamental question more like a salesperson, okay, is actually really what help help people. And you know, I see two type of product management uh, people over time. Uh, some of them become more like a so-called classic product manager, who basically um, focus a lot on the process, focus a lot on how the mechanics of everything is. Okay, nothing wrong with that, but that's a different kind of thing. But if you really want to go further to really make your product thrive. You need to really think about your customer, think, your, think of yourself like a, like a user and spend your time on really amplifying their experience and understanding what they really want. Okay, when you, and that is why um, you now see a lot more product manager being quite technical. Um, some of the product manager are actually tester because they say, you know what, I got to be able to use the product, you know, from inside out, top to bottom before I can actually sell this product. Right, and then the experience is not only about uh, the product itself. Okay, how do you buy? How do you surface? How do you get support? Uh, customer success management is one of the key things that we have. So, I think a, a important and successful product manager doesn't really matter what background they are from. Okay, it's really more about how you look at the people, how you look at your customers, and how you look at to provide them with the best experience. And I think that is really the most important part, being a successful product manager. I think uh, it's interesting, you know, it does not require very deep skills in any one of these areas. And sometimes having a very deep skill may become a 
may become a hindrance of that. So for example, you know, um, there are people who's extremely strong in business case, okay? They can articulate anything about why we have this business. But at the end of the day, if you cannot, if you cannot sell it, if you cannot price it correctly, if you cannot do those things to a point that actually not the 1% of the customer, but the rest of the 99% of customer actually understand, then you would not be successful. So it's really more like a, a mix of many things. It's, it's like, you know, it's Olympic time, right? It's more like, you know, doing the deck of, okay? You don't have to be the best in, in any one of these 10, um, 10 sports, okay? But you, but you need to be good overall and that become um, a really good product manager. That is how I feel like after these five years. Yeah, kind of a jack of all trades kind of thing, but but being good kind of it's like it's more like horizontally good rather than like that deep vertical, yep. uh, as they say. Yeah. Yep. yep. Absolutely. And is that what you look for when you interview people? Is that kind of those kind of people skills and, and relation relational skills? Um, yeah. So you know, Rachel, I've been doing obviously a lot of hiring uh, in my life, and obviously, uh, unfortunately, some firing also. Okay, you know things work out, things doesn't work out. But um, Thomas' principle in terms of hiring, which is kind of contradicting to a lot of way that we heard a lot of company hiring these days. Um, I focus on personal skills. I focus on attitude. I focus on a emotional commitment about what you, what you promise yourself in terms of excellence on those kind of things, right? Um, I couldn't care less about whether you know the SQL language or whether you have a um, scientific background of something. I believe those things can be learned. Okay, I, uh, but I believe that everybody needs to come in with a positive attitude about about learning, um, about fighting the battle together, about working well with everybody. Um, so those are my principle when I, you know, when I when I hire people. So I hire, I hire attitude. I hire good attitude people. I hire people who um, who might think a little bit differently. Okay, but I hire people based on that. Like hard skills, um, I don't really, I don't really, um, I don't really focus too much. Okay, so you know, so that is kind of the what I, what I look at, and and especially in a product management role, um, you'll be interfacing with so many people um, every day. Okay, um, how you build your reputation in the industry um, is actually the number one topic that everybody needs to worry about. And if someone is really just good at something and not really having a good uh, relationship and attitude towards everything that he does or she does, so that's not going to be the kind of people that's going to be successful. So, yeah, yeah, I was kind of wondering about that. Like, okay, so you're interviewing somebody and you think they're a good fit, but how, how does somebody who maybe doesn't have that deep technical skill set make it to the interview, I guess, I'm wondering. Yeah, you know, um, I think I think the system right now uh, does have a certain amount of, um, I would say, you know, the modern way of filtering people. Okay, um, I heard that a lot of company instead of having the HR people looking at it, they even have bots or AI to filter out to filter out those things, right? Um, I think you know, um, I think you know, depends on what the role is, but I would say, in terms of in terms of product management, I would say if you have a name through LinkedIn or through relationship or through this kind of video or whatever that you have a name on your industry, people should know about you. You need to find a way to market yourself well beyond uh, the AI or the machine who who's going to look at who's going to look at your resume, right? Um, work for a few people, uh, finding mentor in the industry, um, you know, 
you know, have the courage of co-calling some CEO or even CIO, CTO to talk to them and find, and find them time. I think those are the key things that, like, you know, it's very accessible right now. The world is very transparent um, through the LinkedIn, Twitter and things, you know, and, you know, I got my fair share of that myself too. So, you know, um, but I think, you know, I'm always happy and um, to help and I'm always happy to talk to new people. So those are the things that I feel that people should do um, to really, um, you know, I wouldn't want to say those are trapped. I think there are particular jobs that is requiring good technical skill that's needed. But I think for a product management um, perspective, um, having a great network is going to be uh, really, really essential. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, that's really interesting and, and, and good to know, especially for, I think, earlier people, because I've been talking to a lot of people trying to get get into to jobs lately. And I'm like, oh, I mean, I've, I don't know. I haven't done a lot of hiring myself. So I think it's, it's interesting. It's just um, Yeah. So one of the few things, maybe a small hint for the public here, um, me as a hiring manager, um, I know things become, like, you know, I don't feel a lot of people are doing that enough these days and maybe one day everybody's doing it, it become not useful but i think recommendation i think recommendation from people um even either full linkedin a short paragraph about those i actually think it's going to go a long way okay um your your your, your public profile around the world is actually going to go a long way because let's be honest okay um once i once i know your name people like you are basically in front of the whole world through the internet, right? So, you know, so whatever you do or whatever you don't do, um, people people will know, okay? And I think that will build an impression. And uh, I think those are the important things that people can do. You know, look for recommendation, look for recommendation from other people that are more public. I think those are the uh, important key to really land a, land a job that, um, that, that you like and things like that. You know, like do not feel that you are always going to be struggle simply because um, I cannot do this or I, or I do not know about this because um, I think a lot of hiring manager is really looking for a belief that this person will, will do well rather than saying that, oh, it, you know, it's not a program. It's like, if this, then, then that, you know, it never worked that way because we are people, right? So, yeah. Yeah, and, and I've tried to tell people that job uh, descriptions are kind of a wish list. <laughs> like, it's like, I don't think, I mean, uh, from my what I've seen anyway, I don't think everyone's expecting you to know literally everything on there. Is, is that true? Uh, yeah, you know, like just my, just like my job 20 years ago, if I am comparing my knowledge at that time with the job description they're hiring, they will absolutely not hire me at that time, okay? <laughs> um, I would say, I would say job description is there um, because first of all, it's needed. And also to some extent, articulating what is the nature of the, nature of the work and things like that. Um, I treat it like this way. I do not treat that as a list of requirement, okay? I actually treat it like a, like a menu when you go in a restaurant. It's all the things that oh. you might be able to do in this, in this. And you, know, you don't have to do all of them because just like you're not gonna order all the food on the menu, right? But if you, but if you connect with one of the uh, tasks or particular responsibility in the, in the so-called job description is like, hey, this burger looks good. I'd like to order them, okay? I'm gonna to talk to the talk to the waiter and waitress about what what this burger is like, and let's talk about it. Like you know, is it is I, I I would say job interview and finding thing finding things like that should more like a should more be like a mutual discussion rather than oh, 
uh, oh, I die, I'm dying to put food on the table. I need a job. Please give me a job. You know, it's not, it's never granted. Okay. It's a mutual discussion and agreement to, 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 to let you do that. But at the same time, you agree to do that, right? So, you know, it's more like matchmaking than, than anything. It's like, it's not like, I do not want anyone to go into, especially youngster in their first job or things like that, going in there in the mindset that, you know, I'm not trying to say that they should come in cocky and saying that, hey, um, I'm the best thing that ever happened to you. But I think it's a fair ground in such a way that the company is looking for someone and you're looking for a company and let's see if it fits. If it fits, if it doesn't, then we move on to another one. So um, a lot of people got really discouraged when they got declined about, about roles. Um, don't, okay, there's really no point doing that. So, yeah. Great advice, Thomas. Yeah, um, I did wanna talk about what life is like as a corporate executive. Um, I, I feel like it's it's kind of a mysterious thing. I mean, I'm just speaking for myself. And what are what are some of the things you didn't anticipate or you don't think people realize as part of being an executive? Um, I think there are few things when I think about this, right? There's a few things that people don't people don't really uh, realize, or maybe they realize but do not understand the the extent of that, right? So, so I think the first thing is that um, when you become executive and when you become more like so-called, you know, people say it's the dark side, but I say it's really kind of becoming the, becoming the owner, becoming one of the owners of the company. Um, your aperture of how you look at a business is completely, is completely widened. And, you know, a lot of time when, when staff and when I was a staff, I did not understand why my boss make, a decision the way the way he or she make those decisions right but over time when you learn about the information that they have and the information and the consideration that they must have on everything then it all makes sense like you know even you would or i would make that decision also if you're in that position so um becoming executive enable you to have a much bigger aperture about the industry about the things that you that you're facing uh with customers and with a lot of so, so you know um uh, broaden yourself is really important. And the other thing that people don't really uh, understand or I don't think executive is getting enough credit about is that um, if there's one thing that I as an executive is losing sleep at night about is my people, okay? Is the people who, who work for me, okay? Um, I'm not trying to be, you know, you know, emotional or anything like that, but they don't, they don't know how much I think of them and they don't know how much I worry about whether they're happy or not happy at work that day. Okay, um, maybe it's me, but because, you know, at the end of the day, the people um, is the most important part of the company. It shape up what the culture will be and you will become um, the most important part, whether the, custom, uh, whether the company is successful or not. Okay, so uh, growing them, okay, making sure they make the company successful with a happy mentality, with a good positive mentality, especially during the last two years. But at the same time, uh, for people that are not, not making it, not doing that, how do you find a way to position them um, in a more successful position? Or maybe even you need to find a way for them to do something else, you know, um, is, is hard, is hard, okay? Putting, you know, just like a coach, right? Putting the best people in every single position in a soccer game is, is, 
is not easy. And those are the things that we think a lot about because we know very well that we cannot be, the company cannot be successful unless everybody is focused and aligned. And those are all the things that, that we think about all the time. And you, know, you naturally think about that, uh, but people management is ongoingly continues going to be the, the biggest thing in, you know, in any good executive's mind. That is something that is natural, but people, people like people's perception about executives sometimes is that, oh, you know what? They're flying first class. They, they're in the biggest hotel and things like that. You know, those are the pros that come with being executive. Yeah, but, but when they run the business, they're actually really thinking about the team and the people. That's, yeah, that's really interesting to hear. And I, I think I'm starting to realize that a little bit more and more as I progress in my career, that it's okay to tell your manager that what a, like a certain task that you're doing is actually pretty draining to you rather than being something you're, you're good at. Or like, I mean, there's always going to be things about your job you don't enjoy, but if like your whole job is just completely draining you, then it's actually, I found okay to talk to your manager about that and try to like figure out like what works better for you. And, and I think that's something that yeah. it's hard to yeah. like, you don't realize you're like, oh, you don't want to tell your manager you're not like liking something, but then actually your manager wants to know that, I think. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? And I tell my, and I tell my, uh, and I tell my staff all the time, right? Just like when you vote for your president, just like when you go in protest, telling the world that you don't like something that your government is doing, it's not because you're angry. It's actually because you love the country and you, it's actually your responsibility to do that, right? And if that's the case, then my staff, if you're not happy with what I'm giving you to do, is your responsibility to tell me that because you know, if you don't love the team or the work that you're doing anymore, then, uh, then let's not do it. So that is a, the way that I tell my team all the time. And um, yeah, so, so I think that is really how we should do it and how any successful company um, has become. Yeah, that's great. So, so changing gears a little bit, you, you started your company Iron Tutor a while ago, but you were doing it part-time, but um, you recently mm -hmm. made that decision to leave IBM and start doing it full time, and that's a that's a really huge decision. You, lose, oh, I think, you lose a certain was, amount of security, and yeah, what drove you to make that leap? That was, um, let me be honest. Like I, like I told, I told my parents and I told my wife that you know, and you know what, there are big, big life decisions that you only that you only make a few, um, in your life, right? You know, um, for example, you know, getting married, like. Who you're marrying with, you know, and by the way, mutual congratulations. Oh, <laughs> um, 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 immigration, deciding to move your whole family to another country and starting over is a huge decision. And I have to say, this decision that I made recently is up there. Um, I thought about it for for a long time. Okay. Um, one of the trigger points is because um I turned a uh, age milestone, you know. Um, last year, okay? And um, I am starting to really thinking about, you know, what I'm, you know, what I want to do in the next 10 years of my life, okay? Um, the way that you think about this is that, you know, by that time, or maybe, you know, I know it's a, I know it sounds bloody negative here, but you know what, by the time I die, okay? In my dying bed, when I look back on what I did, um, between these 10 years, do I want to be continuing doing what I have been doing in the last 20 years or do I want to do something differently? Okay. Um, I think that is a big 
realization about uh, from everybody about what what they want to do and what they should do. And um, COVID unfortunately is teaching us all a lesson that you know we are not invincible. Life is finite, okay. And uh, you got to do what you got to do, okay. And I, I probably that is also driving a lot of people thinking about the same thing these two years because you know these two years has been hard for a lot of professionals too. Um, but but at the same time, um, I was really thankful that I and um, my wife make that decision about about 15 years ago to start this, okay? Um, uh, my second daughter was just born at that time. Uh, my wife has some time and uh, she's not really happy with her job at that time. Um, she's always an entrepreneur because she came from a family of small, small shops. And, you know, my mother-in-law run these small, small clothing shops at that time. So she's always having, having the idea of um, opening a little school for the neighborhood, okay? So, um, so she started, I say, you know, I have a, I have a pretty decent uh, stable income at that time. Why don't you try, okay? Um, you know, worst case, you know, we're not gonna go bankrupt. You know, you, you, can, you can come back and things like that. But at that time we were also joking saying that, ah, you know what? Maybe one day these things become so good that I can, I can join you, okay? Um, and I think that is really what happened now. Um, I think there's a, there are several factors um, from a personal perspective and from the, from the market perspective that drive me to make that decision. So first of all, from a personal perspective, as I said, um, I feel it's the right time for me to do something else, okay? Uh, number two, um, I think the company has been, has been healthy, okay? So that means I'm not gonna worry too much about not making the salary I make as, a, as an executive in IBM, okay? Although it's still a substantial amount of money, okay? But it is what it is. Um, but more importantly, um, two kids are growing up now, okay? They're both in college. Uh, they they seem to be pretty independent, and um, I've, uh, I'm not worried about them anymore. Okay, so I think that is really the situation personally, and I think from a market perspective, I feel that with COVID and everything, we have more and more young generation that actually need help. Um, from an academic perspective, uh, these two years because of the online learning, and a lot of um high school, and cannot do face to face. Um, the way the quality of some of the education has been deteriorating. Um, there are a lot of loopholes in terms of how you get a high score without learning anything, simply because exam is online, homework is online, everything is online. So that means you can just, just Google everything and find the answer and get a great marks without learning anything. I'm worried about the people going to college these two years, okay? Because they do not have a very solid background in terms of problem solving skills and those things there. So we see a, we see something that we can help the community to improve. We see something that we can teach them better um, on that. So, you know, so those are the conviction that we have. So that's why we decide to do. And the other thing is that um, my wife has been a math teacher for her life. Uh, she's not expanding herself into science and other subjects in, a, in, in the engineering side. Um, she says she doesn't have the capacity and she asked me to do so. So, um, yeah. So right now in this school has been here for 15 years for the first time, we are starting to offer um, science like chemistry, like physics and, and those courses for high school students. So become more comprehensive for them. So, um, so those are the things that we enabled, we enabled the company to do. Right? So, those, so those are the things that, like there are many, many reasons, but it's still a very tough decision um, about that. But I think, 
Uh, looking back, I think it's the right decision. Um, I'm my day in life is uh, is a little bit different now, which we can talk more. Uh, but right now, you know, um, yeah, it was a it was a huge decision. And um, and Rachel, I have to say, people like you and all the people I work with has become one of the hardest parts for me to to say goodbye to that to to this job. I'm still talking. I'm still talking with plenty of plenty of all of you, which I'm really thankful about. Okay, but um, yeah, you know, not working, not having those fun working with all of you is a, is a, is a tough, is, a, is making this decision very tough. Yeah, it's definitely a huge transition. And, and you already sort of hinted at my next question, which is what's a day in the life like for you and, and how's it changed due to the pandemic? But you've also had a huge like work change too. So yeah, it'd be interesting to just see how, how it's changed. Well, so I think, I think especially in these two years, our life in a corporate world has been extremely crazy, okay? And um, there seems to be endless amount of work that we have to do. And the fact that we're all working from home basically means that we can dedicate ourselves 24 seven doing the work, right? It's extremely tiring, okay? And I'm really thankful that now that in the new role of this company, um, so first of all, um, I own, I, me and my wife own this company. So that, that means we are, allowed to make any kind of decision for the company, okay? But obviously we're responsible for the outcome, okay? But obviously you have more control about that, but at the same time, you're more control about your time. And because of the role that I'm playing right now, um, I find myself saying no a lot than before, okay? But I feel that even in a big company, even when you have a lot of people surrounding you, I think it's perfectly fine to say no or bring up or bring up the topic of what we don't do, okay? I think we don't, I don't think we do it enough in a lot of big company. And turns out that we, um, our product lineup become very complicated. You know, we try to make everybody happy and things like that. So um, I think the day in life is definitely having more, more control, but more importantly, I have some time to really feedback and, and really sit down to really think think more about what decision I want to make and take it and taking a little bit of time of doing that. So, you know, rather than a lot of knee-jerk reaction uh, and, you know, fast pace and things like that, but you know what, like there are some decisions you just got to think through. Okay. And I think those are the things that I'm now able to do uh, with a more simple business, definitely. Okay. But um, that is that, but i but I would advise everybody, you know, no matter where you are, um, learn how to say no. Okay, and I'm not good at that. Okay, but everybody should learn and really learn to make decisions based on your secondary or, or tertiary thinking, meaning that you think twice or think three times before you make that decision rather than just, you know, getting things done quickly. Eh, it might not work very well all the time. Yeah, yeah, like getting things done, but it doesn't actually go towards your higher objective is not necessarily actually productive <laughs> exactly you need to think about your direction that you know because you know what if you're not towards the right direction no matter how fast you drive you're not going to get there right so mm -hmm. yeah 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 well we've had a really great discussion about work but i want to kind of change gears a little bit and just talk about life in general so uh first question about that is well what do you do outside of work and and all this to decompress <laughs> Um, first of all, just like everybody, not much because not really a lot of time after eating, sleeping, and working on that. But um, I would say, you know, I would say most of the time is really just music. 
And um, uh, uh, some of the, my friend knows me, but not all of them. Um, I am the so-called, you know, those crazy audio file that you, uh, that you spend a lot of money on, uh, on stereo systems. Okay. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, my wife hates that, but um, she allowed me to do so. So, um, you know, so I'm those kind of people. I love classical music. Um, I show you a picture. I traveled to Vienna and, uh, and when I was in those sales conference, I make sure that I go at night to a concert hall to see the best orchestra play. Um, so those things, so those are really what I, what I do here. So, you know, reading music and, uh, and, and sound system is really one of the things that I, that I love doing. Um, I love playing golf, but I don't, but I don't play very well. And in Toronto, it's only half the half the year you can play. Um, so you know, so those so those are the things that I do here. But um, the past twenty years has been, you know, raising the kids, working, working, and so you know, I don't think a lot of people do, um, are able to do a lot. Um, I love to be able to read a little bit more. Um, I wasn't really, you know, maybe I'm just lazy. Okay, but I think I'm picking up. I'm picking up more readings uh, recently, so so those are the things that I, I I try to do to decompress. That's great. Do you, so do you actually do you create music or are you like just you're big into listening to it? Um, I am I'm big at listening to it. I used to play piano, and the other good thing is that um one of my daughters is actually um going into music. She's uh she's studying music in her uh, you know college right now, um, classical music. So um. So I actually learn a lot from what she's doing and uh, we go to concert together sometimes. Okay, so, you know, so those are the things that, so those are the things I, I do. Okay, so um, I am not good at, at composing. Okay, but um, yeah, but you know, I'm just really just enjoying uh, music more time. I, I play, I still play piano a little bit. Okay, but uh, you know, so those are the things I do. That's great that you can have something like that you can share with your daughter, like a very shared interest. Um, at the very least being able to talk the same language <laughs> is it is, is already very very good okay because sometimes when i drive her back to school uh, after the weekend we can talk about what she's doing uh what pieces she's playing and the fact that i actually know those composers and know those pieces um is really is is really good it helps the father-daughter relationship also a lot yeah that's always a good thing yeah yeah. yeah, so it's it sounds like mentorship is a big interest of yours, and and what do you enjoy about it? Um, I think there are I think there's a few things. Um, I think the biggest thing that drive me to do more mentoring is number one, um, I feel very lucky that I met uh, several people in my life that they are my my mentors. Um, like I feel I owe them, and I feel I owe the world something in terms of giving back. I think that it's like, you know, it's like a torch, right? You know, you pass to your next generation and they are graciously enough to, to teach me and to tell me the hint about life and to tell me what I should do and should not do. So I would like to be able to bring this to the next generation. And, you know, mentorship is like always mutual, right? It's not like someone that your mentor is telling you what you should or should not do. It's a discussion. Uh, it's learning about what, the mindset of the new generation of people also. Okay, so I think this is a really good uh, relationship as long as both of them are sincere in terms of sharing with each other. And I think that is really, um, I really enjoy, I, I really enjoy doing that. Um, I feel a lot of satisfaction if there's, you know, even if you talk to a person for an hour and if two words out of this one hour that you inspire them, I think that is really something important. And, you know, and the feeling of several years later, 
when someone still remember what you said that day and saying that, hey, I, you know, I live by that principle now, this is really good. Um, you know, that's priceless. You know, that is probably one of the most satisfying feeling that you can get. Yeah. And what, what would you say um, makes a mentorship relationship successful? Does it have to be something formal? What would you say? Well, I would actually go to the other extreme and saying that it needs to be informal. Okay, so there's a few there's a few things, right? Um, now there's a few ground rules. For for example, your mentor should not be really having a um, conflicting vested interest on 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 you. So normally you don't become the mentor of your staff. Like you know, it's always you know a separate organization of things. Like that. But other than that, um, I never like the kind of arrangement of Hey, hey, Rachel. Um, this Thomas guy is going to be your mentor. You don't even know who I am, okay? And then, um, hey, you're going to have a monthly meeting with him, talk for an hour, and you and you better prepare for some topic you're talking about. No, it doesn't work that way, right? It's a friendship, okay? Um, I would say all the mentors I have in my life, none of them are arranged, okay? All of them are the people we work together, we know each other, and then a few months or few years later. I move on or they move on to other role and they say, hey, why don't we keep in touch? And as long as we keep a, um, the initiative of pinging each other, say hi, there's always things to talk about. So I think I really treasure this kind of uh, good relationship. And um, you know, this, is, this is the way it works. Like, you know, it's, it, it feels very natural. It feels very natural in such a way that um, two people just start talking without without even saying that, oh, it's an arranged meeting or things like that, you know? So, so those are all the things. Like I remember every single mentor when we start, when we start um, having this relationship is not arranged by a third party. It's just like me telling, for example, for example, Mark, right? Mark is my mentor for many years. Uh, he used to be a manager at that time, but you know, after that I say, Mark, why don't we go for a beer? Why don't we just talk? There's a few things that are, uh, you know, th there's a few things in uh, in the team that I don't know what to do. Uh, why don't you tell me how you would do it and things like that? And then and then it goes on. So, yeah. So, so yeah. I actually love the informal relationship. I think I think I think it's I think it's fantastic. Yeah, and then you're you're actually approaching them when you need to talk about something rather than like forcing some conversation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't you don't talk for the sake of talk or, or that you know you the connection is built naturally so mm -hmm. that's good yeah yeah so getting a little more personal I'm curious I always like kind of asking this how did how did you and your wife meet oh okay so um it's a pretty typical story we are we are we're in university so we know each other in the first two months of university she's in electrical engineering I was in mechanical engineering so um I don't know we start dating like two months later and then yeah and then we dated for a long time, like 10 years before we get married. But you know, that is that is that is a pretty simple story. Um, um yeah, so we were we were together back in university. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Where did did you do university in Canada or in Hong Kong? Uh we, we did university in Toronto. Okay. okay. So we went to we went to U of T. My daughter's in Toronto also. So yeah, so that was the school that we all went to. I didn't know her from before. We weren't in the same high school. Uh, yeah, so, you know, we just, I, I just met her. I just met her, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and so like a couple months ago, I, I had written this article on Medium about changing my last name, and you actually reached out to me, and you were you, you said it's in, like you, you you commented on how women in your culture don't change their last names, which I thought was really interesting. And so I was just kind of curious, like um, what you've noticed about that. And um, but I, I did want to like clarify: do do children take on the last name of the father, typically? Uh, so I would say for most cases, um, children take on. Uh, the father's last name okay uh there has been cases because of the family tree or so that there are there are kids taking on mother's um last name uh it's rare but it happens for example um my neighbor my neighbor back in back in hong kong um there are actually um three brother sisters uh they have different they have different last name two of them is the father's last name the the, the third one is mother's last name Okay, um, yeah, so, you know, um, I think there are two things. So I think in the Chinese culture, um, it's not that we don't do it, but I think most of the people will not do it to the extent that um, they change their passport and, and, and all those kind of stuff, okay? Um, they have no problem being called Mrs. Your husband's last name, but they will not change their ID card, driver's license or passport into that that new name, okay? Um, first of all, it's not really a huge tradition of doing that. Um, it started these days, sometimes people put both of the names becoming their last name, okay? It's getting a little bit more popular, um, nothing against it, so it's all good. And, um, um, you know, without changing your last name, there, there, are, there are going to be confusion. So for example, um, when, my, when my daughter was born, okay? The nurse bring the daughter to me and say, congratulations, Mr. My wife's. You know my wife's last name, so so it happens. But I think, <laughs> yeah. But I think um, I actually talked to my wife about this. Okay, um, not that I want her to change her last name, but I say, okay. So why? What is your mindset about not doing that? Right? Um, she has a very now. She's a pretty strong woman. Okay, so let's just be, let's just get that out of the way first. Okay, but she does uh, say that she feels that. Um, you know, although getting married is a significant event, okay, but she look at that, which is exactly the way I look at marriage also, uh, it's more like a partnership, okay, it's more like two people coming together to build a family with trust and with respect to each other, um, but that does not mean a person will become another person, okay, that does not mean she will suddenly becoming a person like me, or doing all the things just for me. Uh, she would like to have her own space, okay? Um, not only financially, not only career-wise, but in terms of space, in terms of being a human being. She's, she's very firm that she would say, you know, I have my own thinking. I'm a, I'm a professional myself. I am, I am who I am, okay? And, um, and you know, and, and as a husband, I respect that, okay? And, and then she said that if that's the case, then why would I, like, like why would I be changing my last name? on that like I do not become I do not become someone okay I'm still who I am the day after I get married it's not like I completely become a different person right and I don't want her to be right so you know and um and uh, so you know I and I never expect her to 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 change her name at all okay and um people call her by her name okay and um yeah so it's like yeah there are there are confusion I um, I remember more than one time when we go on vacation in the border, we were asked whether we are actually married or not. 
okay, so, you know, these things happen, but, you know, we just say we are married. Okay, so, uh, yeah, so, yeah, so, you know, it's, um, it's something that I respect uh, based on her choice. Okay, I have no problem either way, but I think her rationale is sound as a, as an independent and as, as an individual. So, so, so that's that. Now, I'm not trying to say that if anyone decides to do so, suddenly become a different person or you just fell into your husband's family or things like that. People make their own choice, okay? But if that is her rationale to drive her to make that decision of not doing anything, I respect that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I like that. I like that, her reasoning. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and also not to mention that you mentioned your, your husband's last name is a little bit hard to pronounce. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that is a... Yeah, but that is a different discussion. So yeah, yeah, I've I've definitely taken for granted having a relatively easy for English speaker name to pronounce anyway, name like Rachel Miles, but then learning the Shia Chich was like a lot of practice for me. I had to practice. You still have hard time pronouncing that name now. <laughs> I had to slow it down. Yeah, no, sometimes I like I I I I don't say it. Like I don't know, I just try to say it fast or something. <laughs> it is a little hard, but I, I, I think I got it. Um Good. yeah, I was kind of Curious, so yeah, you're 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 an immigrant here, and um, I'm I'm curious to know, like, and now I've married an immigrant, and so it's it's and and when you become a family, you have traditions from your your home country, and I noticed that your the logo of your company has uh, Chinese characters on it, and I'm I'm just curious mm -hmm. to know, like, what are some of the things that your family does to to honor your heritage while you're you're living in a completely different country? Yeah, so you know, um, I would absolutely like bringing up like you know not trying to advertise toronto a little bit too much but uh, but but toronto is a very special city in north america okay um i've been to a lot of places in north america and around the world okay but toronto is indeed special so i don't know whether you know okay statistics is telling us that uh we have more than half of the people in toronto that are actually born outside of canada so you know so that means we are having more than half of people in this city that is actually not born in this country. They are, they are not from here. They are from, they are from somewhere else. They've gone through the immigration. They restart their life, okay? And uh, they choose Toronto to be, uh, to be this place. And I think simply because um, there's an overwhelming large amount of people like that, okay? Um, Toronto become a really multicultural city. And, um, and in different area, there are definitely a groups of, people that are that are um, living together and honoring the culture so you know um, um next time you come to toronto i'll show you around okay um you will see restaurants you will see places and and you know you don't like you don't go to chinatown to see chinese or you you don't go to little italy to see italian there it's everywhere you can just drive down the street you know maybe two blocks next to the lab okay there is a tons of chinese restaurant there's tons of indian restaurant there's tons of places that you do here. And, um, and, you know, the good thing is that, for example, um, my mom who doesn't really speak English, she has no problem navigating her life around here because there are enough among of Chinese speaking people here. Um, the reason of the company using a Chinese character in the logo um, is more about the culture of uh, school and tutoring because um, after school tutoring is a big, is a big thing in Asian country. Um, if you read anything in terms of statistics, you probably see that probably more than 90% of people in China and Hong Kong uh, go to after-school tutoring. Uh, in Korea, it's actually 99.9%. .9%. Like basically everybody 
uh, study after, like after school. Okay, so it's a it's a big business. Um, uh, although our students is a mix of many culture, but it's still mostly dominating uh, in Asian in Asian culture. So you know, having having people from from them um, seeing the character is probably something that something you know that we do to help the business. But you know, Toronto is a very interesting. Uh, it's an interesting place, right? You know, you you see this place in Canada, okay, in Toronto, but um, you know, it's it's really a great mix of people from everywhere, and they all live in harmony, okay. Um, yeah, so it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting place. Yeah. Oh well, I've really enjoyed catching up with you, Thomas. It's been really great. How um can people get in touch with you if they'd like or in, or your business? Um, so we have our website. We actually recently revived that. So your simple is irontutor.com. Okay, so that is something. Um, I'm pretty open on LinkedIn. I think I have 2,000 um, connections now. So, you know, feel free to feel free to send me. Uh, now, I know, like, you know, uh, Thomas Chu is probably, like, there are probably 500 Thomas Chu on LinkedIn. Okay, but you should be able to find me uh, with Thomas Chu IBM. Okay, and uh, anyone want to connect with me? I would love to, I would love to talk. And especially folks in Toronto, um, I think, um, anyone who is in the career need any helps, you know, or need any mentorship or things like that, I would love to help. Like, you know, to me, um, I'm always a very curious person and I would love to meet new people. Uh, so, you know, those are the things that I wanted to uh, make sure I contribute to the community that way. So, um, so yeah, yeah, you know, I am, um, you know, I'm actually having another um, new immigrant related uh, interview lining up for next week. So, you know, uh, yeah, you know, I've been keeping myself easy on that. So. Yeah. Good. yeah. Well, thank you again, Thomas. It's been really great. Yeah, and Rachel, uh, thank you. Um, I think this is very interesting, and um, I wish you all the best in this uh, in this effort. Looks like it's going well, and um, I really appreciate the opportunity uh, to talk to you today. Thanks for watching. Be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss a single show. Interested in being on the show? Know someone that might be a good fit? Use the nomination form in the description.